Hello and welcome to another edition of Deeper. And it is great to have Rob here with us today. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Sun's shining, feeling good. It is today, isn't it? it is, I feel so good when the sun is shining. I also feel so good when Liverpool have just won, which is a rare few <laughs> these days. I was thinking that as well. I nearly said that, but I didn't. <laughs> I kept it spiritual. Uh, I didn't. Uh, there are two <laughs> things that really make me happy at the moment, the sunshine and the winning, and, and neither of them come out very often. Um, so, uh, Rob, uh, thank you for preaching on Sunday. You did a great job. Uh, we're going to ask people to read the passage, uh, which is Exodus chapter 35, verse 30, all the way through to 36, verse 8. So why don't you press pause, read that passage, and then restart the video. Great. So, Rob, why don't you, um, this is an unusual story, and people might not be sure about where this fits in the bigger story. Why don't you get give us the context? Where does this story fit? Okay. I mean, you, you've read, read that passage, but that, that's a small part of the, the, the passage. The previous 10 chapters and the next three chapters are really all the, the same story. So the, the, they've crossed the Red, the Red Sea, they've got out of, of Egypt, and they're heading down the, the, the Saudi Arabian Peninsula, heading down to the bottom of it. And they've arrived at Mount Sinai, and we'll all know the story of Moses and the Ten Commandments. Well, the story of Moses and the Ten Commandments is just before this story that we've got. In fact, this story is part of what happened when Moses was up the mountain, really. Because when he was up the mountain, he didn't just get the Ten Commandments. He got a whole lot of other instructions and rules and regs as well. And he also got instructions from God about building this temple, about how to build a temple and what to do and what to use. Tabernacle. Sorry, that is the right word to use. Tabernacle. Yes. Um, So there's this mobile sanctuary. So, uh, so the, the previous ten chapters is all about Moses being told by God all the different materials and things to use, and God also tells him, choose Bezalel and choose Oholiab because I've given them special gift, and uh, and they're going to be your, your, your key guys. And Moses comes down the mountain, and and he then says to the Israelite nation, after the golden calf palaver and that kind of stuff, he says, listen, this is what God's told me. I'm, he's, chosen Bezalel, he's chosen Oholiab, and that our passage says, and this is the gifts that they've been given. So Moses tells the Israelite nation, uh, once he's uh, sorted out the Ten Commandments for the second time, after smashing the first law of them, he then says, we're going to build a temple, and we get the passage here about him telling the, 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 the nation about the tabernacle. I apologise if I say temple again, it wasn't. That was 600 years later, uh, Tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Tabernacle. So, uh, we're going to split the uh, passage into two parts as we look at it. Uh, the first part is all about, uh, particularly about Bezalel and Aholiab. Uh, and then the second part is about the people of Israel's response to the building of the tabernacle. So uh, let's look at verse uh, 35, 30, all the way through to probably verse 2 of 36, which is all about what they're doing. Uh, so let's just pick out some bits there. I mean, you, you obviously talked a bit about this on, on Sunday, but there's some important things here, isn't it? Do you want to start? What, what do you see here? Uh, it's interesting that we often think of the Holy Spirit as not present a lot in the, in the Old Testament, but he is present all over the place in the, in, the, in the Old Testament. But he's not referred to the Holy Spirit. He's normally referred to as the Spirit of God, is, is the normal phraseology. 
Uh, and then here we get that phraseology again. And we're told uh, that, that Bezalel was uh, filled with the Spirit of God, with skills and abilities and knowledge and all kinds of crafts. And it's, it's interesting that it's quite easy to jump straight onto the crafts bit, but it was actually filled with, um, I don't know what the right word is here, um, in, invisible gifts. I mean, it's very hard to see that the, the gifts of, of skills, ability and knowledge uh, are quite hard to quantify these, but, but God gave them supernatural gifts of skills, abilities and knowledge. I'm not quite sure how you would quantify what that kind of thing is, but it's... Yeah, I would, I would call it wisdom. And I think the, the version of, of the NIV that I've got says wisdom. It's filled with wisdom. That's the first word right. it uses, um, which is great. Isn't it? So he's obviously highly skilled, gifted, skilled, but also has the wisdom to go along with that. Uh, mm. And that, that should be, for all of us, I think, uh, a mix that we need to go for, that we are highly gifted, you know, spiritually gifted in something, but also filled with wisdom and knowledge and understanding as well. The two should go hand yeah. in hand. Uh, it's also the, the, the New Testament, uh, Paul says in Corinthians, that if we're lacking something that we believe we need to fulfill God's purposes for us, not to make us rich or to solve an issue we've personally got, but in, in order in the furthering of God's kingdom, we can ask God for these supernatural gifts. And it may be of skill or wisdom or or, or knowledge, it doesn't have to be, you know, preaching or tongues or you know, prophecy, that kind of stuff. That's right. And I, I love the fact that the Holy Spirit gives them incredibly practical gifts, you yeah. know, embroidery and woodwork and metalwork. You know, they can do all of these things, uh, and it is a spiritual gift. We sometimes think yeah. of it, oh, that's just your hobby. You know, it's that kind of thing. Or, you know, we kind of do down arts and crafts, but... This is a spiritual gifting, and uh, I think we need to reclaim some of that back in the church, don't we? That the spiritual gifts aren't just, as you say, you know, the prophetic and tongues, but also these kind of gifts. I think they're hugely important. And and I do think, and I did mention it on Sunday, I think think churches, especially charismatic churches, get hung up on uh, the difference between natural gifts What's referred to as natural gifts and spiritual gifts. And I've always said, you know, natural gifts are just gifts given to, to you by God at birth. And spiritual gifts are gifts given to you, God, at, at rebirth or beyond. Um, and and I, I don't want to, I don't get hung up on that whatsoever. A, a responsibility, if you're a natural pianist, a natural singer, a natural craftsman, or whatever it may be, we still have a responsibility to glorify God with that that, mm-hmm. that gifting. It's not just if we have a gift of preaching or teaching or what, whatever. Exactly. And, and I think mm-hmm. the church has done a bad job at honouring these natural gifts, these practical gifts. I don't think we've honoured them as much as we should have done. No, absolutely. And I love the fact that in verse 36, um, it wasn't just Bezalel and Aholiab. There are others whom the Lord has given skill. I think what sets Bezalel and Aholiab apart is that they were also given the gift of the ability to teach these things to people. Yeah. So they had the gift and also the ability to pass it on to others. And I think that that's a huge thing. 
And I'll let you expand on that with as to changing it from a gift into a ministry. I think we'll do that in the next section when we get on to the uh, application. Oh, application. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you see in that first part? Uh, is it in the first part where... No, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the second part where people chose not to... Not to uh, do the do the use the gifts that God gave them. I would count out this in the first part. I think yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. I find it really really funny that that. Uh, oh yeah, it is it's, it's verse two, isn't it? And it says in verse two, uh, and God gave ability and walk to to those willing to come and do the work. And I just think, in that situation, one day you didn't have the ability to to do embroidery, to do metal work, to do woodwork. Mm -hmm. And the next day, you do have that ability because God's given you that ability. And Moses says, all these people have been given this ability. Come and use them for God's services. And some people say, nah, I'm really like that I've got this gift now, but I'm going to build my, my house or I'm going to build whatever. Some people chose, having received a spiritual gift, to not honour God with it. Yeah. It's, I just find it so yeah. funny that... <laughs> And, you know, it's definitely a 21st century application. Yeah, exactly. We'll cover that next time. I think there's there's a part there as well, which I, I think is kind of important. The verse says um, that, you know, Bezalel, Aholiab, every skilled person, they only did what the Lord commanded in verse 36. So even though they're highly gifted, highly skilled, uh, they yeah. were only doing what the Lord commanded. They didn't stand there thinking, you know what? I know God said that we need to put acorns here, but I don't want to put acorns. I think it would look better with something else. They didn't go off on their own little tangent, using their gift for their own ego. They only did as the Lord commanded. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, they were starting to think at this point to learn to obey God. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, we've seen a number of points here where they grumbled against God, where they didn't do what God wanted. Uh, and they paid the consequences of that. But now they're only they're putting this tabernacle together according to quite strict kind of dimensions and guidance. And, you know, God goes into great detail about how this tabernacle should look. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what they did. They didn't mess around here. And no. I think the implications there for us is we think about how we use the gifts that God gives us. Just a, a very little slide side issue here, not even an issue, just a side point. Was that we were studying and uh, looking at them building the, the, the holies of holies. So you, ha you have the, the, the middle bit of the tabernacle, and then you have the outer, bigger bit, you know, where everybody could go into the tabernacle. But the holies of holies, the, the material to build that was three layers thick of fabric, three, three different fabrics. And one of the fabrics was animal skin. So what? Well, what it means is, is that an awful lot of animals had to be sacrificed mm -hmm. in order to build the holies of holies. And their skin, their their blood covered the holies of holies. And I, I, mean, I, was, I never really thought about that before. It, it also made it waterproof as well, you know. Uh, but of course, it was probably the, the, the purpose of it. But there was sacrifice of animals, you know, the, the shedding of blood in order to create that that holy place, which is a theme obviously run, runs through there. And I'd never 
understood the three layers of, of, of material and the importance of, of, of the, the different types in order for that until I, in my studies for, the, for this sermon. Not that I mentioned it yesterday. Uh, but There's a lot of time looking at that. Um, let's move on to the second part. So uh, Bezalel, the Holy Abdi, gathered all these people together uh, and then uh, Moses uh, asked for, for basically offerings and donations towards the building. They're looking for material, they're looking for gold, they're looking for all sorts of things to make this happen. Yeah. Uh, and an amazing thing happens. They had, end up with more than enough, which is fantastic. You can't it? do the work. Yeah. 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 You know, when... It's, it's... Go on. No, it's just, it's just fantastic. It's just a wonderful story of, I think, the Israelite nation realising uh, that, you know, we need to honour God. We've, we've doubted God, we've messed about, we've built idols, we've grumbled, and here, as you say, they're starting to realise we need to honour God. They bought into Moses' vision. Yeah, yeah. And you can't even imagine, I guess, the sacrifice that went into some of that. You know, they, they were giving... Uh, you know, precious metals, precious jewels, uh, highly valued cloth, all those kind of things. They were giving the best of what they had to build. Stuff it. that they carried with them out of Egypt, through mm. the Red Sea, in the Arabian Peninsula. They carried all that stuff with them. Yeah. Uh, so, mm. uh, you know, it was personal. <laughs> it wasn't just sat in, in a bank or sat in a room not, not being used. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's, there's two things that come out of this for me. Uh, first of all, that those doing the work, they knew what was enough. They clearly calculated, right? We need that much gold, that much cloth, that much whatever else they needed. And they knew when to say, actually, that's enough now, which I think is yeah. really interesting because they were clearly building to God's specifications so they could calculate what was enough uh, and say, that's it. And I think there's something there for... Um, for church leaders like me, who are always asking church for money, you know, yeah, yeah. you can never have enough. Uh, no. But there is something there about saying, well, what is it God wants us to do, and what is enough? Uh, yeah, and yeah. There's something there. Uh, but uh, the other thing I like is that it says um, that Moses restrained the people, uh, which seems like an interesting word. So I looked up the Hebrew, uh, and it's actually related to imprisoned. It's quite a strong word. And so you've got this kind of image, in my mind at least, of people desperate to give. Yeah. Moses saying, no, no, I'm, I'm kind of forcing you back. I'm restraining you. You want to feel free to give, but I am not allowing you to give. Uh, and so you've got this kind of almost a, a sense of desperation to give on that part of the people, so much so that they almost needed to yeah. be restrained, which I think is fascinating. It's a, it's a fantastic but it's a fantastic. So that's what I, I, that's why I mentioned yesterday morning when I when I was looking at what to preach on. I thought this is a really interesting story. No, I know you were ridiculing me a little bit, saying that the well-known story of Bezalel and Aholiab, but it, it is a really interesting story. Fascinating. Yeah, it's a fascinating story. So let's think about some of the uh, the wider implications of this, and we're going to go a little bit wider and see what it means for us today. So, Rob, as we uh, look at the applications, what, what do you see as kind of key things for us to learn that we apply to our, our lives today? 
Yeah, for me, I, you know, the, the, there's two. The first one is that the first half, it was a real challenge to me to say, you know, what what are my giftings and what am I offering up to God? There's nothing, you know, once again, nothing of the fancy, not just focusing on preaching and all this stuff. Very basic, you know, is it maths? You know, am I really skilled with maths, you know, or whatever it may be for, for you, be it, you know, embroidery, joinery, reading, whatever it is. In some ways, I, I often link giftings with passion. I think they often link together. So to, to help people, you can think, you know, what am I passionate about? I think that passion would come from God as well. It's a kind of prompt to guide you in your, in your giftings. Not all the time, but very often. Uh, God's sometimes a pain in the neck and he gives you a gifting in an area you hate. I remember Dave Griffith feeling, feeling gifted in doing kids' work and he said, I don't want to do kids' work, these pesky kids. You know, <laughs> so it doesn't always happen that way. But um, but that's uh, a guy. So for me, my application is for myself, you know, am I fulfilling my passion and my gifting in the broadest sense to honour God? And I think you're building on that. There's there's a couple of things for me in that, in that, um, you know, the, let's look at gifting in a wider sense. You know, that you know, we talked before about this wasn't like some kind of spiritual thing. This was very practical, but it was still given by the Holy Spirit. And in that sense, th these are spiritual gifts. Yeah, um, you know, we get caught up with some of the the more supernatural gifts like prophecy and things, but gifting covers a whole range of things, and we can create a false difference. Yeah. You know, it doesn't exist in scripture, only in our minds. And, no. You know, so whether it's um, you know, like kids' work or uh, being good with money, you know, and, uh, you know, like we're very gifted. We are, we are very blessed. We have a gifted treasurer. You know, that's a supernaturally yeah. gifted thing. Um, all those kind of things are all gifting. Um, and the other part of that is uh, how do we develop our gifts to such an extent that we can then teach others how to, yeah. do, how to operate in those gifts? So you touched on it before, you know, people who, um, who quite often teach on these things will talk about some people having a gifting in something, but then develop it and it becomes a ministry. In other words, they're able to equip others. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that I like to do is uh, I help other people learn how to pray for healing. I'm not necessarily a great person for, you know, seeing healing and praying for healing, but I can equip others to do it because yeah. I've learned enough about it to be able to pass it on. Uh, and it doesn't matter what gift we have, whether it's with kids' work, whether it's prophetic, uh, whether it's with money or administration or all those kind of things, we should develop our understanding of it so much that we can then teach others to move in that gift as well. And I think what's important with that, that developing that understanding, that ability, it doesn't happen overnight. No. And I'm just I'm looking at, at you, I'm, I'm looking behind you, and you've got uh, you know 150, 300, I don't know, maybe 500 books there, whatever it is. Never can. And, and you've got you've got these books in order to develop your understanding in different areas. And I, I think sometimes we think as Christians, oh, I, I'm not good at this thing. But a question for me is, well, how much time and energy and effort have you put into developing that gift, whatever it may be? You know, have you gone on courses? Have you bought books? Have yeah. you spoken to others? Have yeah. you listened to others? Have you done research? 
Because in any area, if you want to become really good at it, it involves graphs, whatever it is, be it cookery or gardening or prophecy. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. What, what else would you want to draw out as an application? Uh, the, the application for me, uh, and the, I, I'm, I touched on this on Sunday, and I, I, I'm drawing this out, and that's the right word to use because it's explicit in there. But something definitely seemed to change in the Israelites' uh, attitude to, to what Moses said. Because Moses has said to him before about, you know, not making any idols, and he went away and they made idols. And they, they hadn't listened to him before and at several occasions. But this time, when Moses calls out, this is the vision to, to build his tabernacle, somehow something's changed. And, and they're all on board. They gave beyond measure, beyond my understanding. And, and my conclusion is, is that somehow they, they, they bought into the, the vision that their leader said, that Moses said. Moses said, they said, we're on board. I'm, in, I'm into this. And, and I really feel challenged as a church member and as a church leader. You know, we have responsibility to set a vision, but church collectively as a, as a, as a community have responsibility to, to get behind the vision and fulfill the vision in all different ways by using our, our and resources. And I think for the application is twofold. Every church needs to have a clear vision mm. because how can the people follow mm. if, if, if there's nothing to follow? But then every church needs people to follow the vision, uh, uh, you know, on that side of the application. And I want to encourage us as, 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 a, as, a, as a church to, to make sure as a church we have a clear vision and make sure as members in the church that we are willing to try and fulfill that vision for the glory of God, not for any personal gain or personal benefit. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we, uh, certainly in Christchurch, you know, we have some really generous people, which uh, is, is always a real blessing to me that, you know, whenever we were looking to finance things, whether we're looking to, you know, uh, develop new stuff, uh, people will always give, you know, but we need to expand that further and we need we need the whole church to be buying literally buying into the the vision um yeah because but i think i think that that is not primarily financial it no. is financial but it's not primarily financial it's primarily heart and soul and mind uh to buy into the vision uh i think that the money within reason will take care of itself if my heart and soul and mind is, is, is in the vision. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, I think what happens here is that people move from having to give to wanting to give, so much yeah. so that they have to be restrained from giving more. <laughs> uh, which, that's, that's where we want to be. Um, that's right. <laughs> but, you know, like for us at Christchurch, you know, we are operating on a deficit budget at the moment because... For the things that we feel God calling us to do, we don't have enough income to cover that. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we, we desperately need people to, to get to a point where they're thinking, you know, I really want to give to what we're doing. Uh, yeah. Not us having to persuade Bring or, it out or encourage, <laughs> you know. Uh, we want people to get to a point where they're saying, yeah, I'm really behind this. I want us to make a big impact on Southport. And, you know, here is here's my gift. Uh, I would love us to get to the point where we can say, "Enough's enough now. We've got we've got all that we need to do God's work." So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait till next year, maybe when we're starting something. Yeah. 
let's uh, let's think about some questions for uh, for people to reflect on as we go okay. a little bit further. Okay then, Rob. So uh, we want people to reflect on some of this, either on their own or particularly in missional communities. Uh, what would you like to, to think about? Why don't you go first? Okay. Well, my, my first question to you, and hopefully this is applicable to you and not just to me, the only person in the church, but because someone that you might be a little bit jealous or envious of, of their, their giftings, their, their abilities, their, their knowledge to use the word in the passage. I want to ask you then, to, when you think of be precise in your own mind. What is it precisely that you're envious or jealous of? And then the question is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to stew on it and get angry and get frustrated and, you know, pick up your spade and go home and say, I'm not playing? Are you going to look at how, how you can develop that gift? Maybe if you're jealous of somebody who's got a great gift of playing the piano, you might think, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll get piano lessons, <laughs> you know, whatever it may, may be. Or maybe it's a case of asking God for forgiveness or asking that person for forgiveness. Or maybe it's a case of, well, I don't know, I'm just giving you ideas. What are you going to do about that situation? I would encourage you to do something positive. And we all get to other people's gifts, don't we? You know, with... Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I've got a, a question that's related to that. Uh, and it's basically, do you know what your gifts are and how are you trying to develop them? How are you trying to get to that point where people might be jealous of your gifting? Not that you want that, but, you know, that you are developing so much in your gifting that people look and say, wow, look at them. They are such a great whatever. Whatever. Um, so, you know, that'd be a second question. Okay. Over to you, Rob. Yeah. Other question is really more, well, not, I was going to say it's more for missional communities, but it's not just, I, I want to... Uh, put the setting for this in missional communities, but if you listen to this and you're, you're uh, part of the church but not in a missional community, let me start by encouraging you to join a missional community because it's in that setting that this question can be explored. And the, the, the question is, I want to ask the missional community to, to, uh, to review what you're doing with regard to your in, up and out very easy in the, the current year to have forgotten the focus on your out. And I also want to encourage you to relate that to our vision as a church. Is your out achieving some part of our vision, not just your own personal glory pot, if that's an expression, I don't think it is. Uh, but, you know, is it linked to the vision and have you got one? And then I want you to encourage you as a missional community to promote that vision, which is part of the church's vision, to, to the church, so people say, oh, that's dead interesting, that miscommunity vision is this, I fancy getting involved in that. Yeah. So it's yeah. a bit of a review situation, getting ready for a couple of weeks' time where we can start doing exciting things. Ish. Praise <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, my, my, my question then is quite related to that. So uh, I mentioned before that, you know, at the moment our church is running with a deficit budget. Uh, just for the things that we are hoping to do. Uh, my question would be, uh, what could we be doing if we were receiving more than enough finance to cover everything that we do? What else could, could we be doing? Have a think and a discussion about that. Start to dream dreams about what, what mission activities, what outreach activities could we do if only we had more resource? That, I think that'd be a great question to reflect on because yeah. it allows you just to dream dreams. 
because uh, sometimes our dreams are restricted by our current financial situation, and that should never happen. That's Maybe interesting. Too. That I'm already getting pictures of writing in, in the church walls these dreams and starting praying and making these dreams become realities. Is it, yeah. is it young men that dream dreams and old men that have vision? Something like that. I, yeah. I think I want to dream dreams. I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I can never decide whether I'm a young man or an old man. You know, so um, yeah, don't say anything. <laughs> And a final question I, I would want to ask is um, what stops us from being generous and how can we change that? Which is a very kind of personal question because um, we don't like talking about these things sometimes, but I really want to encourage you to reflect on them and talk about them in your groups. What stops you from being as generous perhaps as you want to be? Uh, or maybe you just don't want to be generous. <laughs> I'm a bit in that camp. Um, so how can you change that? Excellent. Rob, thank you very much for your time today. And thank you for preaching yesterday. Thank you for your ministry. Uh, I know I'm pretty sure there are lots of people envious of your gift of communication. Uh, so thank you for what you've done. Um, do please join us on Sunday. We'll be continuing our wilderness wanderings. Uh, and also join us next Tuesday for the next edition of Deeper. So have a good week. Take care and stay safe. Bye now.